Justice Warrior Headquarters, I bring to you Miss Tracy Diane Ellis and me. No, but seriously, Tracy and I really wanted to do an episode in which we can openly discuss our experience as Justice Warriors with the justice system. Since the inception of what was previously HMC Investigations and has been since changed to Justice Warrior Investigations. Folks, we have been fighting for justice for almost a decade, having only been in business for about five years. And let me tell you, it has been one hell of a ride so far. So without further ado, let's get started. As many of you know, Tracy and I met around the same time that the A-Team, Jason Autry, Shane Austin, and Zachary Adams, were charged with kidnapping and murdering Holly Bobo. We did. We had... um... And also the A-team was also part of uh, Shane Austin, who was not charged because he uh, died in a motel room. Well, and because he was, he was given immunity as well. Correct. Correct. And they, yes. And um, there was a little bit of issue with his uh, statements. So they were coming more than Mm -hmm. likely going back after him. And yes, he was one of that A-team. So let's not forget the fact that he was also uh, suspected to be part of that group. Correct. And even though I didn't yet have a private investigator's license, I was on the right track from the moment I got involved. And I put in many calls to the TBI explaining why these men should be their main focus. Um, It was also my first experience with being completely dismissed and probably labeled as a crazy armchair detective with nothing better to do in life, but to try to solve murder as if it was some murder mystery game. Little did they know that this was my calling and they hadn't seen or heard the last of me. So after the Bobo case, I took a little break. The stress and strain of that case and all of the drama that came with it which was crazy psychics and the real armchair detectives coming after me with ideas that simply lacked all logic. And that really put a strain on my marriage. And by 2012, we had filed for divorce. I couldn't stay gone forever. And this time I meant business. Unfortunately, I was not one to take the advice of my mentor, a more seasoned investigator who adamantly warned me about trusting people. 
Consequently, it wouldn't take long before I learned it for myself. Before we go much further, I want to say that we have definitely had some positive experiences with law enforcement and the justice system. For example, I was hired to work a burglary in Davidson County once, and the prosecution was very respectful and appreciative for my work, so much so that they used my investigative report for the indictment, and I was called to testify against him at the preliminary hearing. Additionally, I worked a homicide case in Hardin County in which the DA, Matt Stowe, had so much respect for us that he called us in for a meeting in which he expressed great concern that he may have had an innocent man incarcerated in his county. These, ladies and gentlemen, are just a couple of examples of legal professionals who are really after the truth, and I commend them for their integrity. However, generally speaking, there has been a lot more negative experiences than positive ones, and that has caused me to become very angry to the point of wanting to scream from the rooftops to make sure that the public is aware of what is happening right under their noses. You see, I'm not one who runs from danger. That doesn't mean that I'm not scared, but as I've told the Dyer County DA, whereas most would have run for their lives, fear has made me angry because I was taught to stand up to bullies and nobody or nothing is a bigger bully than a corrupt justice system. Let's start with the murder or suicide of Darrell Keeley. Tracy, since I was so long-winded with this intro, how about if you kick this off with what you remember about that case? Well, I remember this as everyone was saying it was a suicide. Um, I remember the father the, hired you to go in and, and find out because he felt like it wasn't a suicide. And there were a lot of things that could point towards suicide, but like in every case, it points one direction until you get other facts that point towards the other direction. And I remember this case as a college student is dead. And the person that killed him turned out to have died in a shootout during, I believe, I believe it was a drug interaction. I'm not sure. Right. It was. And and the thing is, I mean, I don't want to say, you know, the person who killed him, the person we believe killed him, but we were never really able to right. prove that or given right. the chance right. to prove that because he ended up being killed as well. And I believe we were called in. You were called in because it was not investigated because with, how do I say, maybe he investigated it with what he had, but your investigation uncovered a lot more right. that showed that there was somebody else right. that could have done the shooting. Right. And the problem is that, um, you know, I really think that this had uh, a lot to do with race. Um, yes, you know, it did. because yeah. he was a black man and our suspect was white mm -hmm. and because he was uh, dealing drugs or involved with drugs, mm -hmm. um, you know, that those those um, 
qualities in him just kind of caused them to write, write it off. They just, I think, you know, Rutherford County, which is where this case took place, really, it does have um, a high crime rate. There is a lot going on there. They do have a lot of cases. And I think that this was a simple case of prioritizing. I don't think that they really felt like this was worth their time to investigate. And I think they just, you know, I mean, it, it looked like suicide, so it was suicide. And they never really investigated it as anything else, uh, which is a big mistake, I think, in a lot of cases. Right. And can I ask you this question? When the investigator feels there's more to investigate, however, his superior officers say, no, mm-hmm. you've got suicide. We don't have time. We don't have the money. Write it off as suicide. We don't have the resources. Now, I don't right. know if that's really a conversation that actually takes place. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, I, I haven't heard that conversation. Um, you know, we can speculate and, and right. probably assume that, that there is a little bit of that going on. Um, but basically, you know, I just feel... And I, I've said this before, um, I, I know that there are some cases where, you know, it looks like corruption and it's really more of an issue of lack of resources or just the fact that they are, you know, overwhelmed with cases. Um, and sometimes it can be really hard to tell, which is the difference. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, when a family is looking for answers and feels that there is more to this than, than what law enforcement is uh, saying, um, that's when they hire me. And it's really disturbing the lack of respect that, you know, as private investigators that, that we get in the system. Um, I feel like there's kind of this, this undertone, this uh, unsaid, thing where, you know, they, it's, I think they just really have this attitude, like, you know, we need to stay in our lane, that this is their territory and, um, that we should just stick to, you know, um, domestic cases or, uh, fraud cases, you know, cheating spouse, you know, the infidelity, the, the, uh, custody cases, you know, the things that they don't really care about that they're not really, um, going to get involved in to begin with, but things like homicide or burglary, um, I think they get really offended, uh, when a family hires us. And in a lot of cases, actually, I know that law enforcement has literally told them not to. Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's really unfortunate. It really is because what they're not realizing, and, and, and we don't mean any disrespect by this, but what they're not realizing is that, you know, we're going out there, knocking on doors, putting ourselves in harm's way, at, you know, at some times, really putting in the work to gather information that they may not be privy to. And that, you know, in some cases... Now, not all, and we'll get to that later, <laughs> but, in, but, but in some cases, you know, that's really not their fault. No. You know, it's not their fault that, that information was withheld from Correct. them. Correct. That they did not get the full story. And that's why you would think 
anybody who brought them information, they should just gather it and let the DA mm-hmm. sort it out. Right. But the problem is, um, in, a, in, in many cases and with many law enforcement agencies, you know, they really just get their sights set on what they think happened or who they think killed the victim. And they, they, they put all their focus on just proving that. Um, and in those cases, which are probably the majority of cases, um, no, you know, they don't really follow up on any other leads and they tend to just kind of push anything, any other piece of information that comes to them, just kind of push it well, to the side. Well, like they push it to the side if it does not go with their... Right. That's, that's exactly what yes. I'm saying. That's exactly what I'm saying, that they get their sights set on a certain thing or a certain person. You know, they think they're so smart that they can just figure it out straight from the beginning. And and I'm not saying they're not smart. Right. I'm not saying they're not good at what they do, but you can't be right all no, the time. No, and it can't be and exactly be, uh, the spouse did it every single time. It's going to be different. Well, well, I mean, you know, it's it's more than that. It's not just, um, you know, spouse. It's, you know, like I said, you know, the racial right. seems to be right. right. and, you know, all that. So, um, but they just, you know, they just get it in their head. This is what happened. And they set out to prove that. And anything that doesn't fit into that does not get followed up on. And it's a major problem. So, you know, I know they don't have the time or the resources to um, follow up on every lead, but that's why they should appreciate what we do because we go out there and do the work for them. And there's nothing worse. There's no worse feeling than to come back with this information and just be scoffed at, you know, just be treated like, you know, you're, you're dumb, you're stupid that, you know, you're way off, you know, just, um, they don't put, they don't put any sort of, um, they don't, they don't give us the credit that we deserve for putting in that. And it doesn't, I'm sorry. I keep, it doesn't bother me too much because everybody sees me, not everybody sees me, but I play the, the bumbling idiot (laughs) a lot. That's how I get my information. (laughs) However, so them talking to me or what thinking that I, whatever is, it's just a, a, somebody trying to get attention that doesn't bother me as much as what bothers me is not getting the, the correct information to do the right thing. That is so aggravating to me. Get, get these people behind bars. Get this person behind bars. Uh, why does it take so long? I'll tell you why it takes so long. Because they don't listen to everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. I mean, justice is a slow process. Mm-hmm. So I know that there is always going to be some time that lapses, you know, in most cases, unless they, you know, get a confession or literally catch somebody with a gun in their hand. Um, but 
in most cases, it is going to be a slow process. It doesn't happen right away. And you also have to keep in mind that, you know, if a person has done wrong, they're going to go to great lengths to not be exposed to, um, you know, throw up the red hearings and do everything they can just to get that person off their tail. Um, so, you know, that happens a lot too, but in conclusion of the Drell Keeley case, what happened with that was that, um, as, as always, I, you know, did this, all this legwork to, um, to uncover the identity of a drug dealer that he was having some beef with at the time that he, that he was killed or whatnot. And I identify this person and I'm trying to get their alibi. And of course, you know, I pass that information to the lead detective on the case who goes and gets this crap alibi um, that he was actually over at a friend's house watching the Super Bowl that day. And the only witness of that would have been his friend because his mom, the friend's mom was not there at the time she was at work. And, you know, I, I looked at the detective and I said, that does not clear him as far as I'm concerned, rather it implicates the friend because, you know, there are text messages being exchanged between the victim and this drug dealer you know, in the, in the days leading up to his death where they're talking about meeting up and that they were going to square up because the victim owed this drug dealer some money for, um, I guess, ripping him off or janking him, so to speak, of uh, some pills and money. And long story short, um, the investigator told me that this alibi was solid. And I told him, no, you could string spaghetti through it. It has so many holes and he would not listen to me. So it ended up getting put on pause. And my intention was to go back and uh, interrogate this kid and try to get him to talk and, you know, do surveillance on him um, after he turned 18 because he was still a minor. And then lo and behold, he gets shot and killed uh, about four days after he turned 18. And what's, what's so crazy about that was that in my conversation with him, uh, which was recorded, I did tell him that he needed to, uh, right. he needed to mm -hmm. stay off the streets. He needed to get out of the game because, you know, and I quote, this is exactly what I said to him. You live by the gun, you die by yep. the gun. And, you know, I just, that is a prophecy that I wish had not come true. I mean, you know, suspect or no suspect, I, I've never wished death or any sort of harm on anyone. And I, I did not wish that for him. Of course, the family would have much rather had seen justice um, instead of, you know, just being left with just nothing, just all these questions. Um, and then following that, I, I, I believe I sent a text message. Um, it was either a phone call or a text message, but I think it was a text message to the detective 
I said, you know, if you'd done your job, this kid would be behind bars right now instead of six feet under. Now, I keep remembering that there was also a a witness, someone's mother, and she later recanted and said yes. Yes, that was was the kid, and that was after. That was after he was dead. He was killed, right? right. And it shook her up. It shook her up. She contacted me. And after he was mm-hmm. killed and she was just in tears and just, you know, crying profusely. And she told me, you know, she had wanted to reach out to me so many times uh, because she, she felt so bad. You know, she, she felt like she believed he did it. And um, she did not believe that he was there with her son at that time. And, um, you know, she's very concerned for her son and of course didn't want her son to have to testify or get involved in it which is probably why she right. didn't speak up. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, she came to me later and pretty much confirmed, you know, his alibi was a bunch of shit. As I told the detective that day, um, that that alibi was not solid and why he just took it and just accepted it, you know, is beyond me. I just, I can't, um, so our next case is Raquel Jackson. And I think of all our cases, I mean, they're all pretty disturbing, really, but but of all our cases, this one, you know, this one I, I, I lose a lot of sleep over um, because we have worked so hard on this case. And, you know, I know that you and I, you and I both just really, really want to see justice yes, for her. Yes, and the baby, and the baby, and, and the family. Right. And, and again, exactly. So Raquel Jackson, you know, she was very young. She's in her 20s, and she was eight months pregnant, and she's stabbed to death. And the thing is that at the time she was murdered, she had several emergency orders of protection against her baby daddy slash boyfriend. Um, actually, I think they were broken yeah. up at the mm-hmm. time, but you know, she had several orders of protection against him. One police report. She literally says that she thinks he's going to kill her. Um, and then later we are given um, several pieces of mail that she received from her baby daddy while he was in prison. And for some reason, law enforcement missed this. It was at her apartment, um, but they they missed it. And like I said, it was later given to me, um, you know, when they hired me to try to solve this. But in these letters, he threatens her. Um, essentially, he's threatening to kill her. And the way he words it, see, you know, he is... Um, a person of interest in some other murders and in fact had uh, basically gotten off of one of his murder charges. It was a capital murder charge and he had gotten off of it because the two witnesses that saw him shoot this woman in the head, uh, Beatrice Towns was her name. This woman, um, he shot her in the head and dumped her part, dumped her body in the park. And the two witnesses were just, were crackheads. And so they 
decided that, or the defense argued and won the argument that these individuals were not credible. And so the state, having no other evidence, had nothing, had no other choice but to lessen the charges. And they lessened them to um, reckless homicide and let him go at that point after the trial with 18 months as time right, served. Right, right. And a lot of these letters that she received were from him writing to her from prison, jail. Right. And so in those letters, um, so there's that murder with Beatrice, and then there's another um, murder of a, of a girlfriend before him. And in this letter, he says, don't make me have to get over you the way I got over Nicole. And so anyway, not to get into detail of each case, because this is really just supposed to be more of a summary of each case, an example, um, an example of how each case has shown injustice and has shown some sort of, um, flaw either in the investigation or in the justice system. And we have podcasts on each of these. Right. If you want to know more about these cases, you can always go back and listen to the podcasts that we dedicated specifically to each case. But with Raquel, my opinion about that is that, again, I think this is a race thing. Um, because she was, she was black. And I think that, you know, they had so many other cases and, you know, so much more, uh, more important cases in their minds that her case was always just shoved to the bottom. And, and, and they did have a resource issue. They actually combined Mm -hmm. two stations into one. And so Each detective had double the cases. Right. But once again, instead of, um, actually this, the statement I was about to make is not entirely true because when I first started working that case, the detective that had the case at that time, uh, was very welcoming and actually expressed Mm -hmm. that he was glad that somebody was going to investigate this because they just hadn't had the time after how many years um, right after this was 2016 and it happened in 2003, right? Was it two or three? It was. Yes. So it, I mean, it had already been, you know, over a decade and they still hadn't gotten to the case. They had still hadn't gotten around to investigating it. So, you know, the, the initial investigator expressed that he was very, you know, very glad that somebody else was going to come in and, and, take care of this case for him. And he was appreciative and welcomed any and all information that we had for him. But then the next investigator comes on and, um, you know, it just, it just went downhill from there. And, Mm -hmm. um, we even went to the prosecutor and, you know, tried to explain to her, tried to show her everything that we had and it just went nowhere. And, you know, I, I really feel like, I really feel like in some ways the family was disappointed with us because um, we had filmed that case for the show, the uh, Secrets, Secrets, Lies and Private Eyes on Discovery and Plus. Sent, and spent many days yes. in the location. Yes, we, yeah. we spent a lot of time and a lot of effort, a lot of money, um, you know, 
just down there investigating and, you know, trying to get it the attention that it deserves so that maybe, you know, there would be some heat put on the Louisville Police Department um, to get this case solved, you know, to do something. And, you know, I mean, I think the fact that it never showed up on the on the on the series. Right. So it did not show up and we worked so hard on it, wanting it to be on there. You know, I know the family was really pumped about the fact that, you know, it was going to get this national attention. Me too. Me too. And so it, it was heart wrenching to have to tell them I know, that it didn't. Make I know. It on the I just. I, I, I'm hoping there's another reason behind the fact that it didn't. That something will. Well, it didn't make it on the show. The explanation I was given was because we didn't get anywhere. Because you know, after everything that we did, and even going to the prosecution, and of course they were trying to get interviews with the prosecution. Um, okay, I'm drawing a complete blank right now. Brianna, who was the one that was Brianna Taylor? Yes, yes. Thank you. I kept I kept wanting to. I was thinking of a. Excuse me. I was thinking of a fugitive that I was after named Brianna, and I kept wanting to say her last name, but yeah. Um, they, they were in the wake right. of the Brianna when, Taylor. Right. When we were there, yeah. the windows were still boarded up and they had the uh, red mm-hmm. painted handprints and they were boarded up. You saw bullet right. holes. Uh, yeah, it was, it was mm-hmm. pretty intense. It was bad. It was bad. But with that being said, you know, you would really think that, that, that they, you know, that they could finally solve this case and that they were dedicated to this case as well as others that involve African-Americans, that they do care about these cases. I think that was a perfect opportunity for them to do that, but they didn't. Instead, they pushed, they pushed back on us. I still, I still feel that attention was brought to the case. They did a short, one of the news channels did a short uh, uh, clip and had the family on, which brought attention. I still feel like that because of the show and because we had cameras, even if it didn't make it, they didn't know it wasn't going to make it. And I feel like there was some stuff done that we don't know about. I do not feel like it was a complete waste of time. I do feel that we did advance the case to an extent. I do feel like it 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 opened some eyes. We got a little bit of attention to the case, but it wasn't enough to actually make a difference. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, more people may know about the case now, more, you know, more people may uh, have, you know, I don't know, but I'm just saying, you know, that aside from more people knowing about it, it just, it didn't help. It didn't do anything. There was still, there still wasn't any, you know, as far as like getting closer to justice, um, there still hasn't been any movement. Right. But at least that we know of, and at least they have those letters now. 
-hmm. At least they have the letters, copies of the letters. At least they have those things that they did not have before. Yeah, but they're not doing anything with it, though. But we don't know if they are or aren't. We just don't know. I feel like it was looked into. I just Yeah, I do. It's been, I don't, I don't. It's, you know, it's been at this point in time, you know, I mean, hell, we handed those letters over to them a year ago, you know, long before we even started. No, no, no. It was longer than that. No, I handed those letters over to the lead detective when I first started working the case back in 2016. But I don't think that that ever made it to the DA or whoever we handed. They've had them. That's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Like they've had them. And I just don't, you know, that's, that's where a lot of my frustration comes from in just kind of across the board. And most of these cases is that I feel like in a lot of these cases, you know, the DA's office has everything they need, you know, if for nothing else for probable cause, you know, it should be at least enough for search warrants and to bring them in for questioning. And they had a footprint on that door of who kicked in her door. Right. And they never tried to do anything with that. Measure it or anything at the time. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if now they certainly could forensically mm-hmm. determine the size of that shoe print and see if it, you know, was the same size mm-hmm. as art suspects. Well, and another thing that in the last year, um, you know, the family was really pushing for was that the DNA, which I believe was some hair that was under her nails, that it would be tested again. And I think if I recall, I do think that I believe the detective said he was, he was going to send it off or something, but, but then I think he came back and said there wasn't enough DNA present. Mm -hmm. Mm So it's just, I, you know, I just, I really feel bad for the family because it's just been such a roller coaster for them. I think, you know, there's been all these things with the show and with, you know, possibly being able to send off the DNA. And then at one point we thought we were going to be able to get the records from the doctor that saw her that day. And like, just all these different things that, you know, have looked promising to them. And then, you know, it's just disappointment. And that's how it is with so many and, and what people don't might not understand and they might, but a lot of them have gone through the same thing. It's not just us that gets disappointed. It's the victim and, and the victim's family and the victims, they, they go through the ringer of people, you know, with the same people we go through the ringer with. Right. I mean, it becomes, it does become personal for us, but still as personal as it becomes, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's way different than what they're dealing with. I mean, this is their, this is their loved one. And, you know, they just feel like, their hands are tied and they can't do anything and they want justice so bad and it's just not coming. And so for us, I think it's more of a, you know, just having to feel like, you know, we've disappointed them somehow, you know, that, Mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you know, we, we step in and, and, and we feel, you know, we want to save them. We want to be the ones to give them the justice that they deserve. And, when law enforcement or the DA's office doesn't want to cooperate with us, or in some cases even take our investigation or the information that we've gotten, um, 
into consideration, then it's just like we hit a brick wall is there's nowhere else to go. Like that's right. it. It's over. I mean, I, I don't they say don't, over, it's never really over, but you know, I mean, it just, we don't. They don't tend to try cases that they aren't going to 100% feel like they're going to win. Yeah. They don't, they don't want to try it. They no, just, I can't. And that's what it's called. I can't they, give them that pass. I can't give them that pass. No, I don't give them a pass for it. No, not. No, so you take them to court and it, and it comes back on you. Big deal. Well, at least you tried. Not, it's, you know, and not only that, but like in a lot of the cases, it would, like I said, you know, we have given them enough in several cases at the very least for probable cause for search warrants and Thank to you. bring them in for questioning. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, maybe it's not enough to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that this person committed this crime, but it's certainly enough for you to do your due diligence and follow up on it and investigate it and get the search warrants. And I mean, if we're wrong, then show us we're wrong. Right. But but they don't even make that effort. And it's, it's, that's what's, that's what's frustrating. Uh-huh. Yes. So, um, it's like, there's a neon light flashing and it's like, look up. Well, <laughs> it's right there. Can you see it? You can, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. That's exactly that's the analogy that exactly. I think is most fitting mm-hmm. in this yep. circumstance. So moving on, um, or beating your head against a brick wall, <laughs> right? Well, <laughs> Or having your head bashed in. No. Oh, um, yeah. Quote. <laughs> so, End quote. Right. So Crystal Rogers. Um, uh-huh. Now, with Crystal Rogers, it was an interesting case uh, how we actually got involved in it because I had been working a surveillance case in that town, in Bardstown, Kentucky, and I noticed all these signs, justice for Crystal, justice for Tommy Ballard, and, you know, just all these, there were several, um, we stand with the Ballards and all these things. I just got really curious and I'm like, okay, what is this about? And, you know, you were familiar with the case, so you filled me in and I was just like, oh my God, we have to help, you know, we have to help them. We have to do something. Um, And, you know, we did a little bit. Uh, not much before, you know, oxygen came in and um, they were going to be doing this uh, show on it. And, and initially they said they were going to use us to uh, as, you know, as the investigators in the show. And then they came back and the network didn't feel like we, we had, you know, big enough names. We weren't well known enough. It wasn't going to bring them the ratings they wanted. So they ended up replacing us with uh, Stephanie Bauer and um, some other gentlemen. But Um, I think they did a really good idea. I'm sorry. I think they did a really good job in the investigation. I was proud. I was, I I was satisfied with everything that they did. And, um, I felt like at the end of the day, they probably were, uh, you know, at least, at least the network, you know, the network putting the money behind the investigation that I really think that's, you know, that played a big part in uh, propelling the uh, case just a little bit further. And it still had, you know, she, the family still hasn't gotten the justice, the answers um, that they deserve. Uh, but they're working on but it. But they're, they're, they're a lot closer even, now. Yeah. 
Um, and the FBI is working on it. Uh, the right. Kentucky, they are really working hard for that family, trying to get the justice and find, actually find a crystal and get the justice for Tommy Ballard, who was also shot and killed, which right. that's a couple episodes we have on yes, that case. Yes, yes. But, you know, I think that this case is a perfect example of why it is important to get in front of the media and how the media can help. Because prior to the show, they didn't seem to be getting anywhere. And law enforcement, you know, again, as I said earlier, seemed to be acting more as gatekeepers and roadblocks than actually, you know, <laughs> um, persons hired to serve and protect the community. Uh, Well, one of the people, and I don't know how to word this correctly, so you know where I'm going with this. So please jump in and step over me. Um, (laughs) There was an officer that um, had lied Mm. to other law enforcement. I mean, I don't think there's any reason to, you know, be mysterious or... um, Okay, you know, I just about, want to, about who that officer is. I mean, their name it's is the brother yeah. of, and I don't know whether to call him a person of interest Nick, Nick or a boyfriend. The yeah, no. Nick Hauk. Nick Hauk wasn't the uh, boyfriend. That's um, Brooks. no Brooks. Brooks. Yeah, Nick Hauk is the is was a police officer, right. and he is the brother mm-hmm. of Brooks Hauk. He is a person who of was, interest. He is. Uh, they are both. Um, suspects in this and and not just my suspects or, you know, a private, but, but literally the FBI suspects and the Kentucky state police's suspects. And so, I mean, that is widely known. That is not a update. Yeah. And to update on that case, they actually, what, a month ago, two months ago, they, one of the houses that these, that uh, Brooks Houck built, they went in it was an empty house and they went in and uh, what they tore, what word they tore up the, uh, the grounds, no, the yard. Well, yeah. They tore up the driveway. Um, and, mm-hmm. and we don't know, I don't, I don't think it's been released yet. Like what they found, but we, or do, what they were looking for. Yeah. But we do know that they did find an item of interest. And, and yes. And they did send it to the, uh, FBI mm-hmm. laboratories. Yeah. yeah, but but once again, it's just you know this is a case where, um, you know, for years they just weren't getting anywhere, and you know the the media um, really helped them to get the attention they needed and kind of put a fire under their asses to do something. Um, and this is what we were really trying to do in the next case we're going to discuss with, in the next case we were going to discuss, which is Karen Swift. You know, we, Tracy and I, our intentions in uh, starting a sort of series of podcasts on our investigation into the Karen Swift case, we really were hoping um, that by bringing it forward again, uh, by not letting it die, by, you know, stirring up the public and um, going to the witnesses and getting all this information. We really were hoping that that would 
propel her case forward as it did Crystal Rogers's case. And, you know, I, I just want to say that with that case, you know, everything we did was in good faith. You know, there was nothing nefarious about anything we did. Um, we were not. And continue to do. Right. We, we never, we have never acted maliciously. There's never been any sort of, you know, vendetta or, you know, nobody was targeted. Nobody was specifically targeted. This is not what happened. And I don't understand how anybody, you know, could misconstrue that or think otherwise. Um, I don't even think you and I have the same uh, person of interest in our own minds. I think I have a completely different person. What, now? Than yeah. What? Oh, no. Okay. I know what you're saying. It's the same group, but yeah. yeah. Like, I believe that the person that did it was a male, and you believe that the person who did it was female. Am I am I correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So, and one time you believed that too. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Um, but and I didn't at that you know, time. I don't necessarily uh, disbelieve. I don't that. know who. I can't say who. Right. But it does seem like it's. Well, it's you know, from everything we get, from all the information we have, from the affidavits, from everything, um, we're not talking about just our little rumor mill. Yeah. We're talking about affidavits. Right. We're people talking that about claim to have firsthand information. Correct. And those same people coming back and telling us that the lead detective had told them to change their statement and disassociate from me, from our investigation, or they would go down with me. And I have, you know, again, a lot of that information has been relayed to me uh, through affidavits. I have been, you know, I have obtained affidavits to these statements, you know, swearing to them. And I have, um, passed all that on to Danny Goodman, the DA there. And, you know, part of my frustration with that, again, you know, I'm just kind of repeating myself from a previous case that we talked about. But, you know, again, it's like, I feel so strongly that the information that we've given him um, should be enough for probable cause for search warrants or to bring people in for questioning. Um, and I just feel so strongly that, um, aside from the murder itself, that there is enough proof to show that these people have, uh, with the help of the sheriff's department, you know, allegedly, I'll throw that in there just to be safe. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, definitely. But, but that, you know, with the help of the sheriff's department, that they have intimidated witnesses that, you know, they, I believe that they should have been charged by now with witness tampering. Yes. So I don't understand what is going on. And, you know, I, I'd grown quite fond of Danny Goodman. Um, mm -hmm. I like, I, I spent, you know, a great deal of time speaking with him, messaging with mm -hmm. him. And, I really believed, and I, I'm yes, I do have to put that in past tense because I'm not so sure anymore. Um, but I really believed that he was taking my information seriously, 
and and that he was going to um make some moves and i believe i believe he is but i'm at a point where i'm thinking he's exhausted that he's been beaten down and just beaten down and beaten down does that make sense i don't i don't understand he's the da for god's sake I know. Like, I know. He has yeah. the most authority in that motherfucking county. Excuse my French. And I just don't <laughs> understand who the hell could be bullying him or a roadblock to him. I mean, I've, I've, right. I've literally asked him um, point blank. I've asked him, you know, why, why haven't you done this? Like, why haven't you pressed charges? Why haven't you, you know, why hasn't something been done? And, and, and I've literally, and I've also literally asked him, um, I've, I've also asked him if somebody is acting as a roadblock, if, if the roadblocks, because I've seen the roadblocks, you know, on, on mm-hmm. myself and, right. you know, on right. other individuals from other cases in that County, I have seen firsthand the roadblocks of Dyer County. Um, now haven't you, have you, I know you have talked to investigators with the sheriff's department, you know, talked on the phone. Did they ever threaten to take you to court for messing yes. or something? Yes. They have. They, ver- they, yes. They wanted me to come in for questioning and they <laughs> accused me of um, obstruction of justice. And mm-hmm. my response to that is, you know, I'm not the one obstructing justice. And I really just, I really feel, you know, at this point from the information that I've gotten from the witnesses and, you know, what's been told to me, I I just really feel that, you know, the FBI needs to get in there. I've been saying that. I've been saying that. But but something stinks in Dyer County. I've said it before. Mm -hmm. I've used those exact terms, but I'm telling you, it's bad. Like something Mm -hmm. stinks. And the FBI really needs a clean house. And it, I, um, I feel that, I, I mean, we were, I've been told by my local police department mm-hmm. not to go into Dyer County. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my local police That's department. That's not bad advice, has, really. <laughs> Just stay the <laughs> hell out of Dyer County. They have all the information that I had that I've collected Mm -hmm. on threats to me personally. And I've got a couple, um, you know, reports and they have told me to stay out of Dyer County. Yeah. yeah. But, (laughs) but that kind of brings me to another point and that's that, you know, for a year and a half, um, I, you know, I called the police several times. I filed reports several times. And what did I get in, in exchange? You know, I got a little, a little piece of paper, a little business card with a bunch of numbers on it. Did anything ever get done? No. Like, you know, what, what does a person have to do? And so, you know, eventually after a year and a half of this and nobody's doing anything and I had begged Danny Goodman multiple times to do something and nothing was getting done. So eventually I said, you know, I mean, I, I know the legal system. I know my constitutional rights. And, you know, I mean, I think unfortunately uh, a lot of people don't have that uh, knowledge, which hurts them in these cases. But, 
you know, being that I did know, and, you know, if I did learn anything through my legal courses, it's that our constitutional rights are sort of a big deal. Um, so I, I took advantage of one of my constitutional rights and I marched my little ass right into the grand jury and presented my evidence and they returned an indictment. And I marched my big ass. <laughs> Stop it. Um, as a, as a witness and, and with the information and the exactly that I have sent to my police department right. to, uh, as a witness for you. So, um, yeah, we both went before the grand jury Mm -hmm. and, um, then go ahead, you proceed, you got the indictment and it was a 100% Mm -hmm. in agreement. Mm -hmm. So I'm sorry. I mean, it had to be for the indictment to come back. Everybody had to, it, it had to be a unanimous decision, but you know, that being said, you know, this is where some more frustration comes in. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of animosity towards Danny Goodman lately due to um, another case, which we have not been involved in, but where um, there was a a couple individuals um, who were black that were murdered or stabbed to death in uh, Checkers parking lot there in Dyer County. And, um, and the, uh, the person who stabbed them, uh, was white. And a lot of people after seeing the video or the, the full video, not just the little clip that, you know, was released to media and whatnot, but a lot of people who have seen the full video are disputing that the white man was the aggressor. Whereas um, charges were not pressed on him and they, and Danny had decided that it was uh, self-defense. And so, you know, that, that really upset the black community and I haven't seen the full video, so I, I'm not going to comment on that. And, um, and I do know that Danny's family has been threatened and that is unacceptable. I, you know, I don't, I don't know who's doing the threatening, but it is just unacceptable. Um, you know, Correct. people need to leave the family out of it, period. Yeah. Um, but, you know, either way, I just, you know, I guess where I was going with all this is that, you know, I may not have seen firsthand uh, the racism in the justice system in Dyer County, but I have seen the privilege I have seen the special treatment and with my case, you know, after the indictment came back, uh, these individuals were arrested, um, and they were released on bond and somehow, because like I said, they're treated special, um, and you know, there, anybody else in the, anybody else that was arrested, uh, would have had bond conditions set on them, you know, when the bond was set and there were no bond conditions on them and, um, their booking information was wiped clean from mobile patrol within an hour of their arrest. But people still got it. Yes. I mean, they screenshotted it. 
but yeah. but it's uh you know it literally it's as if they never got arrested there's no bond conditions and there's no there's no trace of it you know in any sort of uh database of who's been arrested in that county and it's funny that it was it was in the uh state gazette mm-hmm. however it did not mention who the victim was mm-hmm. but maybe they can't mention the victim right. i do have a uh I don't know if this is the time or the place to say, uh, to state what I was accused of. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Okay. I was accused by an individual who I will not name Mm -hmm. who lives in Dyer County. And I, this person, okay, go ahead. Yeah. This person was not a Facebook friend. Mm -hmm. However, they, I will, I will read it. Mm -hmm. On October 26th at 10.28 p.m., I was sent a message, and it says, I have heard a lot of rumors in Dyersburg that the cells, in all caps, paid you guys off. Right. The third person this month I have heard this from. Mm-hmm. So It'll be a cold th- day in hell Thank when you. I take money but, from those motherfuckers, period. And I replied... That makes no sense. No, no bribes. Because no bribes I just here. Had, no bribes here. I had just been before the grand jury. Mm-hmm. You know? yeah. So, and then she said, "This she says, I'm telling you what is going around in Dyer County. Yeah. There have been no activity on Karen's case." Mm-hmm. And I responded, "Danny Goodman has all our information mm-hmm. on the Karen Swift case." Where she responded, "I mean, this is, of course, three a.m., four a.m." Right. She responded, he is a complete idiot. He does what Phil Biven tell him. Mm-hmm. And I said, he is the DA. Mm-hmm. He is the person that must bring charges against the person or persons right. involved in this murder of Karen Swift. Right. And then I responded again, I am requesting you do not contact me in regards to the Sells family mm-hmm. or in regard to the Karen Swift case or in regards to the DA, Danny Goodman. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Because I have been told by the local police department to put that in there so that I can get, if right. they continue to yes. harass Yes, of course. So then she responded, thank you. I just got my answer. So this person oh who <laughs> claims to be a uh, detective or right. investigator I don't, yeah, I don't recall really, her ever saying she was an investigator. She's like a DUI uh, teacher, whatever. She does the DUI classes. But anyway, yeah. she didn't use facts at all to say, thank you. I just got my answer. Right. Um, and then I blocked her. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. Seriously, but, I mean, you know, there may have been a time when we would have taken, you know, everybody's opinions of us uh, to heart. Yeah. And right. at this point, you know, I mean, like, seriously, uh, it's been uh, going on, you know, it's been five, about five years going on six years since we started doing this. And you know what, I've gotten to the point where I just I'm like, okay, well, if I'm not pissing somebody off, then I'm not doing my job right. And that was a little bit more to me. I, I mean, that's us. Her, this person is going to go around and say that we were paid off. Right. Who cares? And I don't I mean, like yeah, that. I, don't, I want, I really don't care. Like, I mean, if, if, if she had, 
you know, taken the time to, you know, try to figure out, you know, to, to even look into what we're doing right now. Like right. that wouldn't even be like, you know, what I'm, I'm trying to prosecute these people for stalking and harassing me, but I took money from them. Like come again. It just doesn't make sense. It makes right. no sense to me. No, so just, anyway, I mean, you know, sometimes you just have to like write people off as being crazy. And, you know, the same person actually had contacted me and told me that, you know, she had been threatened and harassed because they thought she was working for me. And she supposedly had an audio with my name in it, where they're telling her that she needs to go talk to Daryl Sells. And, you know, honestly, like, I don't, I just, you know, she was supposed to send that to me, like, you know, several times she said she's sending it to me. I never got it. And, you know, I mean, there was a point where I, there was a point where I actually took what she said seriously. And I contacted Danny Goodman about this. And I said, you know, because she supposedly, she, well, I know for a fact, she did have a case against this individual that had stalked or threatened her or whatever. And I had contacted Danny and told him that her case should be connected to mine because of my name being in, you know, this audio of him threatening her or whatever and telling her to go talk to cells, you know, but either whether it is or not. And, but I don't want to judge her too terribly harshly for being, you know, for being a little batshit because this shit is enough to drive a person crazy. So if she, if she has been, you know, I mean, the thing about Dyer County citizens is, you know, they don't know who to trust at this point. And that, yeah, but coming at me, she should have come to you, number one. Well, and number two, coming yeah. at me on my personal, you, mm-hmm. you should come to Justice Warrior. Yeah. If the rumors were even true um, to begin with. You know, I mean, if they were true, if she wasn't just making it up, then and if that really is going around, then Tracy and I want to set the rumor straight and absolutely not. Um, I mean, hell fucking no, period, exclamation point. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, you know, I have I've gotten so frustrated, you know, to the just the point of, you know, like I said in the Facebook live earlier, I just, you know, I tossed and turned last night. I could not sleep. And even my sleep medication, you know, really didn't do anything for me. I still could not fall asleep. I I took it at like, you know, one o'clock in the morning, I think, because I couldn't sleep and, and it, it still couldn't knock me out. I just tossed and turned and I couldn't stop thinking about, you know, and just, and just furious, with the justice system that why are these people not being held accountable? And I don't mean to, you know, play the race card or anything, but I'm going to have to for a minute because if they were a black man, if they were, if they were a black family, you know, this would be going so differently. And the fact of the matter is that, you know, they have not stopped. They have not stopped trying to intimidate me. They have not stopped Um, and it just, you know, um, the very first hearing that we went to or that I was at, um, I think it was the first hearing, you know, they, they started a fight with my bodyguard and, okay, I get you about that case about, well, how come we can't name 
I mean, we can, and I'm not. It's on the I mean, indictment. I'm just, yeah, I'm just. I'm public information. Right. I mean, I'm. I'm not intentionally or deliberately trying to leave their names out. I just, you know, haven't felt the need. I guess um, yeah. I did say his name earlier, but anyway. Um, but but what I'm saying is, you know, so the very first hearing, um, the son of the man that I pressed the charges on, you know, started a fight with my bodyguard and we mm-hmm. were actually escorted out. And, you know, I just want to say, too, that um, before we were- you were escorted out for protection, not because you were right. Um the investigator for the DA's office asked us why we were there. And, you know, I just, I've, I've told a few people that, you know, a few people in the legal industry and they've said, you had every right to be there. Like I, I should have been there, you know? And it's like, um, you know, it's like, we're, I just feel like I'm being kind of treated more like the villain than the victim. And, Um, so they started a fight or he, he, rather he started a fight with my bodyguard and then we were escorted out. And then, you know, he pulls up next to my car at the stop sign and rolls down his window and yells out, Hey, Heather, see you soon. And then flips me off. And, you know, and this wasn't just in front of me, like other people witnessed it too. And then we go to the next hearing and at, um, at the next hearing, that I was at, um, actually, uh, there was a hearing that I didn't go to. And at that hearing, supposedly they agreed that they were going to file an agreed order on bond conditions, namely that they would leave me alone. And that didn't happen. Uh, no agreed order was filed. And two months later we go back to court again and the same agreement is made. They say once again, in front of the judge in court, that they're going to file this agreed order on bond conditions to leave me alone. Now, here we are several weeks later, and the agreed order still has not been filed. And the prosecutor told me two weeks ago, um, actually more than two weeks ago now, I believe, that he had mailed it to be filed and um, that they had told him to go ahead and sign for them, uh, that he had permission to sign for them. But, you know, I keep calling the court clerk. It's still not there. In the meantime, you know, this uh, Daryl Sells, one of the defendants, one of the the persons that I, you know, have the charges against, um, has uh, liked a post on on my Facebook account, and which is a violation. That is contact. And, you know, aside from, oh, uh, I forgot to mention. Okay, so then the second... At the second hearing, which I did attend, I'm sorry, not the second, at the third hearing, which I did attend, which was a couple of months after the first one where they agreed uh, to file the agreed order on bond conditions, we go back, they agree on the same exact thing again, and as Daryl Sells is standing at the podium in front of the entire courtroom, including the judge, including Danny Goodman, including Chris Gorman, his uh, investigator, in front of the entire court, he turns around and literally locks eyes, just stares me down. Not for a minute, but for like pretty much the whole time that this was, that, that court was going on, that, they, that, that the judge was hearing this case stares me down and does like this crazy like 
you know, upward nod, like, you know, like gangsters do, um, you know, at me. And I just, I just, you know, I, I just looked back at him. I, I don't think I had any sort of expression on my face because I just felt very numb and drained and just, you know, beside myself that this was happening and, and nobody was saying or doing anything. And I have, can I interrupt you mm-hmm, for a minute? Of course. Now we, and I, I'm not going to speak for you. Mm-hmm. I probably could anyway, you know me well enough. Yes, but I, I have become, because of this case, Mm -hmm. suspicious of every car that comes by. I have been, oh, somebody's following me. I have been become paranoid. Mm -hmm. I am not just mad. Mm -hmm. I have been at points terrified. I mean, I literally jumped in a ditch once because a car was like driving slow beside me. I, and, and we, and yeah, we, I'm not, people need not think we're just being, uh, uh, assholes by filing these things. We have been, you know, and, and the thing terrorized, terrorized. the thing is about that. and, And again, I said, I know I said this in the, uh, I said this in the Facebook live earlier, but you know, I don't want to, I don't want to cry and moan too terribly. But, because I don't, you know, I mean, then people are going to say, well, maybe you're just not cut out for this job. You know, maybe no, we just come back to it. We well, come back. But the thing but. is, you know, it's like, I knew when I got involved with this, I, I knew when I signed up to be right. a private investigator that it was not going to be easy, that there would be pushback, but I right. expected law enforcement to, to be there, to, to be there to protect and serve if and when uh, something like this happened, and that, right. and again, that's where all that's where a lot of my frustration is coming in mm-hmm. because you know it's like, you know, I know that piece of paper. Um, it's not it's not some sort of bulletproof wall that's going to be around me. I mean, like it, right. it's not going to you know save my life if they were to come after me, but. It's, it at least is something and, and helps me to feel a little bit better, a little bit safer that the justice system is actually, you know, there to protect me. And I feel mine is, however, I think because I live in a different state that I am not getting the blowback at the moment that you are, because I have filed with the PD. Mm -hmm. However, I am it would be considered federal right. at this point. Right. So I believe that has the federal uh, case, a, a federal case is keeping me safe. Mm-hmm. The threat, uh, not the threat, but the fear that there may be a federal case against would is keeping me safe at the moment. Right. But you know what? I mean, here's the big problem. Here's the problem that lies within that you know, whereas I was really hoping to make an example and be able to show Dyer County citizens that it was okay, it was safe to share their right. information that mm-hmm. that they yep. that they needed to speak up, and you know, and everybody was like so scared, and they said no, you know, they didn't trust Danny Goodman, they didn't trust the system, and they knew. You know, they they mm-hmm. already <laughs> experienced it enough in their lifetime and in the time that they've lived there 
um, to know that, no, you can't trust them to serve and protect. No, they're not trying to help victims. They're, you know, I mean, I, it's almost like witnesses there are being, are lambs being led to slaughter. Right. Yeah. And, and they know that. And that's why they don't stand up. That's why they don't speak up. They, and, and that's why this case. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was hoping to be able to prove that theory wrong and to be the example that, that restores their faith in the system. And my biggest fear right now is that I'm just going to be another example of how the system isn't working for the victims and, you know, how, uh, certain people in that town do receive special treatment. Um, and how the witnesses become victims. Right. Right. That's the worst part. Yeah. Yes. I mean, it's just sadly, you know, I mean, I have, I have rallied the people and I have, there were some that trusted me and trusted my, uh, that, that trusted my judgment and did come forward and gave their statements and gave me affidavits and whatnot. And when I say they have been threatened or someone has tried to coerce them, I'm not talking about one or two. I'm literally talking about pretty much all of them. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. And, in some way, in some form or another. Right. And it's just at this point, I can't promise anybody that they'll be safe. Um, but, but I will say that I feel that there is safety in numbers and, you know, the more people that refuse to sit down and shut up, the more people that are willing to speak out publicly, publicly and bring the media in and make sure that people are aware of what is going on on a large scale. I mean, that is when, you know, Crystal Rogers case. That is the perfect example. Like I said earlier, like when the media gets involved, when it gets, you know, when they get this unwanted attention, when they are exposed on a larger level, that's when you see shit get done. And unfortunately, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a necessary evil, you know, I mean, right. Because, because, you know, that we shouldn't have to do things like that in order to, receive the account, you know, we, we're just wanting, um, the rich and the powerful and, you know, the connected, so to speak, to be held accountable, to receive the same exact treatment by the justice system that I would receive, because God knows that if I had been arrested, um, that would have been white clean. No, that would have been white clean from mobile patrol. That would have been plastered everywhere. And God knows that I would have already mm-hmm. been prosecuted by now. There would have been bond conditions on me. No, I would never have received special treatment. In fact, they have it so out for me. I'm sure they'd make, you know, even just my jail stay would be hell. Yeah. They'd have a daily update. <laughs> Well, I mean, no, more than a daily update, I would be afraid of like beatings or something. Now, I have a question. It just popped into my head. Mm-hmm. If you and I 
were actual residents of Dyer County. Shit. Would would we have have taken this case on? Probably not. Uh, that's where I'm going too. Yeah, I think you know, had we been residents, we would have, you know, already had we we would have already known that we would have done move. Well, I mean, but we we would have already known that. It, it right. didn't matter, you know, how, what right. we did or what information mm-hmm. we brought. We would have known that, um, that there, we would have, we would have known about the roadblocks. We would have known right. about the people acting as gatekeepers to the justice system. And that's one thing people want us to fight and keep fighting. And we and will. <laughs> we right. Are. But the I difference am. is we, we can't do things without witnesses. Yeah. And there we go. It's a full circle. Um, and witnesses that are willing to, you know, and usually those witnesses are the ones that have had it happen in their life. Right. So they are, they don't care. They're, the cost is they've already paid, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. and it it's sad. It is a very sad, um, sad situation. Yeah. So, you know, I mean, but that's not the, you know, the only case that I wanted to discuss. And, you know, there is a lot to talk about in the Karen Swift case. Some of it we've already covered in previous podcasts, but, you know, just to move on, because I don't want to get stuck there too long, you know, because we were actually giving examples of right. cases that, um, that there's been some form of injustice in. And my next one, uh, my, my next honorable mention is A to B moving company, the, the case where, Um, I was hired in to, uh, investigate a burglary in my hometown and, um, I was able to, uh, I was able to find this individual that was involved in the burglary and I was able to, um, get a statement from a witness that was with him that day that said that they saw him with the gun that was stolen I was able to uh, find several police reports that were filed by other people, uh, specifically military families, that had also uh, filed reports of you know things going missing after you know after the specific moving company was um, allowed into their home and uh, helped with their move, and you know all these things uh, collectively. Um, were enough for an indictment, but when it came time for trial, you know, I just, the, the victim kept calling me and, you know, just expressing her frustration with the justice system, because at the end of the day, I was never, so, uh, I was never summoned to court and the key witness was not pursued. Uh, I think they may have sent him a summons, but, you know, aside from that, you know, if he didn't show up and they just kind of let it go. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, they ended up dropping the charge. The guy, everything went away from what I understand. And that is just not how things should happen. I just feel like, you know, I put all this work in to, uh, to give this woman answers and to hold these people accountable. And all my work just went down the drain, just went to shit, 
you know, and I don't understand why that is. Um, sometimes I honestly just feel like, uh Oh, there's an Amber alert. Um, sometimes I just feel like, can you read that Amber alert out, please? Um, I don't hold on. Okay. It's in Gallatin. Um, shit, where'd it go? Oh, okay. I'm going to the TBI website to see it. Oh, now it says that's there's an error. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Amber Alert, Gallatin, Tennessee, Tennessee tag number 42MY10. And I'm trying to go to the link and it says that there's an error. So I can't, I can't find it on the TBI website. It's not worth it then. (laughs) Well, I mean, of course it's worth it, but. I have to go on my Twitter. Tweet. Okay, here we go. Has Amber Alert issued for missing Gallatin boy. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigations has issued an Amber Alert for missing three-year-old boy from Gallatin, Tennessee. Investigators said it's been more than a week since Noah Clara from the Gallatin went missing along with his cousin, 16-year-old Amber Clare of Beaver, Beaver Dam, Kentucky. They are both to be believed. They are both believed to be with Noah's dad, Jacob Jake Clare. On Tuesday, TBI officials tweeted new developments in the case, as they say there has been an upgrade charge to aggravated kidnapping, and thus the alert has upgraded to a Tennessee Amber Alert. And they are believed to be in a. 2005 silver or gray Subaru Legacy with Tennessee tag 42M as in Mary, Y as in U, 1, 0. Okay, thank you, Tracy. I really appreciate that. Everybody be on the lookout for that vehicle, and I pray that he comes back safe. So, returning to our regularly scheduled program... Other cases that we weren't personally involved in, but were definitely close enough to witness the injustice are Durante Herbert um, and Nico Lisi. Uh, Durante, they are, it is a little bit um, up in the air as to what has been done. I've been told there has been movement on their case. However, I don't have the... Uh, confirmation that is true um durante was it was gang related uh he had had some money because of a now i I thought his mother was uh disputing that it was gang related i I think we might have said that in a past uh podcast and i I think it i think it upset her because um okay all right So Durante was murdered. Um, It is believed that he was murdered because he had money and his friends wanted that money and he was murdered and left out on a street 
And I have heard there is movement on it. Um, and I don't want to say too much when we know there could be movement on it because I don't want to give out the wrong information or give out too much information. Same with the Jonathan Trumbull case. There has been a, an indictment. There's been court dates. And because that case is sensitive, I do not want to have any mess up with anybody, give out too much information, and um, I want that case to be brought to justice. However, with that case, the Jonathan Trumbull case, at first, no one even looked at it because uh, the police officer who was, I believe, let go from the from the law enforcement, from the agency that he worked for, he was, um, he did not investigate correctly. So there you go. That case would have just been an accidental death had that been left to go the way it was. And now someone's in jail uh, being prosecuted for his murder. Right. Yeah. Oh, so... I'll, I'll tell about Nico Lisi. Nico Lisi's case, um, it actually happened in Franklin, Tennessee, Williamson County, which is kind of unheard of. Um, but he was, he went to school with my daughter and he was involved in some things, uh, prior to leaving. He, he went back to New York for a while and, we believe that he may have been involved in some illegal activity here before he left, but he went back to New York and for some reason he decided to come back to Franklin. Uh, long story short, he gets back here and his phone last pings on Flintlock drive. The uh, TBI, I believe later finds his vehicle um, in a garage. It's been dismantled. It's been completely torn apart. Um, and the, the people whose garage it was found in are, we believe, involved in some illegal activity. I won't say a whole lot more about that because this is still an open investigation and I don't want to say anything that's going to uh, jeopardize that. I don't remember what we already shared. I know his mom did come on our podcast that we did on, mm -hmm. on him. Um, so you might get more information. If you want to know more about Nico Lisi's case, you can find more inf information about that on the Nico Lisi podcast. But basically what I'm gathering about that case is that the local law enforcement really won't touch the individuals that are being accused, the individuals that are allegedly involved in his murder. And, you know, the Lisi family, or rather Monica Button is his mom's name. You know, she, she has just, she's at her wit's end. She has just been fighting for justice for years do you, do you remember what year it was? I can't remember off the top of my head. I might have to, look, I'm going to look that up real quick. You know, she also, she's searching for him. He has oh, not yes. been found. Oh yes. They put up a, uh, 
Okay. He, he went missing on September 30th, 2011. So okay. that's been a decade. I mean, that I, it's just too. Yeah. He, they, she, he has not been found and she comes down mm-hmm. from where she lives in New York. Yeah. And, and comes and searches for him mm-hmm. two to three times a year or maybe more. Um, she just, not just, but she wants to find her son. That's all right now. First things first, find her child. Right. It, it, it's really sad. But, um, but this is another case where, you know, no matter what information is shared and how much evidence they seem to have. Like it just doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It doesn't seem to be moving. And uh, these individuals, you know, should have already been charged. I think, I think there is enough, there is enough probable cause there um, for indictments on these individuals. And it's just very, you know, maybe they want to make sure they have all their T's crossed and their I's dotted before they do that. And, and I imagine that is why they haven't moved forward. But, you know, I just at 10 years, though, I mean, 10. And some people years. are no longer alive, actually. Right. And so, you know, that that brings me also to uh, Wesley Conway. You know, the mm-hmm. Wesley Conway case is another one that just. It's really sickening. However, it's it's it, right. it's really sickening. You know, um, six people involved in his murder, and uh, one of those indictments is sealed because that person um, is you know has fled the area and hasn't been found. But you know, five of the six. But I don't think I don't know. Has law enforcement? I thought they've been very cooperative. What do you mean? As far as um, they've been very cooperative and and inviting and well, with us, with us. Oh, yeah. I I mean, yeah, I I can't really elaborate on that too much right now. No, but I don't want to bring it up that it's you know because this no, is about it's not law it's not law enforcement per se, um, but I really can't elaborate. So, um, but. I, I, I just wanted to say that the monstrosity in that case was more that every single one of those individuals involved in that, you know, that were indicted, um, were released. And I do know that, uh, I think two of them are currently in jail on other charges, but, you know, it's just really sad because, you know, now this family and they, they know that these are the individuals involved in killing their son. And, you know, they go to the grocery store and bump into the men that murdered their son and they can't do it. I mean, they just have to bite their tongue and, you know, keep moving. And that is torture. That is horrible. So that's very much the same way with the Crystal Rogers case. Oh God. Yes. But no, I mean, but the thing is they've never even been arrested. Like they had these guys, they indicted them. They, they arrested them and, and they, they were just released back into society, you know, with the Crystal Rogers case, the suspects in that case, uh, they haven't even actually been arrested. 
So anyway, I think that pretty much concludes um, the cases that I was wanting to talk about today and uh, just to kind of recap, you know, and, and in conclusion, uh, it's just we are dealing with a very broken system. And sometimes it feels like we are David and Goliath, that we're up against a giant and it's just, you know, we're in over our heads. It's impossible. But um, some- Goliath, hey, David won on that one. Yeah. And, I, and that's the thing. I mean, sometimes I get down. Sometimes, I mean, I am very jaded at this point. Uh, when it comes to the justice system, I would love, would love to, for something, something positive, something somewhere to show me that, that there is hope, that there is, you know, reason to stand up for what is right. But it is really difficult for anyone to, you know, to just, keep standing up to fight when, um, when they just keep getting beaten down. And I do appreciate the fact, and you do, I'm speaking for you too, on this one, the support that we have received from the residents of Dyer County. It's really all we have in, in, on that, on that case. Yeah. Right. On that case. And it's amazing. And it feels so good to hear from them. Well, and the thing is, you know, it it seems like just about when I am at my wits end and just ready to throw in the towel, um, somebody will say something and will, you know, glad I'll ask us like, you know, or beg us, please don't give up on us. Please don't stop what you're doing. Like, we just appreciate you so much. And that is what, you know, I mean, it never fails that right about the time I'm just right. over it, mm-hmm. you know, somebody will send me that message and that's what keeps me going. That's, that's, that's what does it for me. And I think that's what does it for you too. That's the fuel in the tank right there. It's it's um, all we have. You are all we have at this point. Um, right. Right. You know, as far as that case is involved. So, uh, but Tracy, have we missed anything that you can think of? No, that was the, I just wanted to uh, acknowledge that the residents for uh, supporters were supporting us. Um, yeah, no, there's, let's just keep hoping and going forward that we're just in a standstill right now and that mm-hmm. we are, things will um, go. We have been in worse situations. Well, <laughs> we I, been, I mean, no. Uh, maybe you, because you're not wrapped up in all these criminal and civil cases. <laughs> That's but, true. I, can you no. can you mention that? Are you allowed to mention? I mean, that? I did. I just did, and I, I was yeah. talking about the criminal case earlier. But you know, as far as the civil cases are concerned, you know, there's one lawsuit against me still pending in Dyer County, and it's been pretty much dead in the water since last January, we filed a um, TPPA act motion to dismiss based on the TPPA act. And we still to this day have not had a hearing on that. Um, And I I mean, I've been pushing, I've been pushing and it's just, it's, it just seems, it just seems so impossible. It's the roadblocks. It's the roadblocks. And 
it's frustrating. So frustrating because, you know, I don't want this hanging over my head anymore. Like, you know, y'all brought the fight. Let's go. You know, that's how I feel about it. Like, I just want to, I just want to go before the judge and, you know, let's bring what we have and let's do this, you know, but I just, I cannot stand how prolonged it's been. And now the other case is my lawsuit against them. And, uh, I feel like we may be a little bit further along in that one. And um, we did actually have a court date recently that ended up getting reset, but it, for once it was not them that uh, reset it. You know, it was something due to uh, a lawsuit that was conflicting that my attorney was involved in. And, you know, he had a big hearing that day. And of course I wasn't happy about that. He called me and told me, and I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) you know, like I'm just so, you know, the anxiety is just too much. How many, how many with the ones that were dropped with the ones that I know I was in one and, or a couple, I don't even remember. I can't even remember. um, How many? The one that was dropped and and then it was refiled. So if you want to count both those, there's two. And then the one that was filed against myself and David Swift and Brian Brandon or Joseph Brandon, whatever. Um, And then I was dropped from that one. And then, of course, the criminal case, the, the stalking charges that I have against them and the lawsuit that I filed against them, there's five. And then if you want to include the private the the PI board yes that mess uh there was their complaint against me my complaint against uh my previous intern and so there that's seven seven my god I can just even say that like seven fucking cases with these people and and people have to realize that this is going on behind the scenes right that that's what goes on behind oh, I'm the fighting. scenes. I'm fighting. You rest assured right. that I, I'm not. I have not gone away. I'm I'm still it's, fighting. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. We're still here, but people are saying, "Oh, it's quiet." Yeah, it's quiet. Well, I mean, what's <laughs> happened is, you know, I I was not speaking for myself, and as I mentioned earlier, you know, there were no nefarious intentions here. Everything we Mm-mm. did was in good faith. We followed mm-hmm. leads. We we had we right. had good reason to investigate these people. And that phone call. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there we had we had good reason. Yeah, there. You know, I I don't feel like you know any of this, any of the attacks on us is really justifiable. Um, but fuck, what was I going to say? Where was I going with that? Uh, that all the lawsuits and that that's going on behind the scenes and but oh yeah I know what I was getting to say I was I was just gonna say that the reason I am taking the hit so hard is because you know because I have um stood in the crossfire because I've spoken up and been a voice for these people who could not speak up for themselves who, um, you know, just were, were too scared. And I took that on. And, and of course that is me, you know, I'm, I'm not blaming anybody. That was my decision and I'm a grown ass woman. 
So, you know, I knew what I was getting into, but, um, I did, I took that on and I stood in the crossfire and I'm, I'm getting the backlash. So, um, I'm, I'm the target right now. (laughs) I'm the bad guy. I'm the target. And that is what I'm dealing with right now. So no, I have not stopped. I do not intend to stop. I am not backing down. I am standing my ground, but obviously right now, um, I'm fighting for my life basically. So that's where we are. And that's all I have to say. Well, this will probably be cut out, but I just wonder why money, instead of being spent on an investigator to talk bad about you and, mm. and do whatever, they didn't spend money on an investigator into who actually killed Karen Swift. Yeah. Well, I mean, we could sit here and ask, you know, <laughs> I mean, we can, we can wonder all day. We'll never know. You know, I mean, we can speculate. I think we both have an idea as to why that is, but, um, yeah. but who knows? And, you know, I say this to you all the time. I'm like, Oh, like, I mean, back in the day when we first started, it'd be like, oh, what if this, what if that, what, 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 like we go down these rabbit holes and now I'm I just know. like, I will never know the answer. So therefore I'm not even going to bother, you know, yeah, it, it'll get my, I'll make your brain hurt again. I know. I'm always like, my brain hurts. Stop. Tracy, stop. <laughs> stop. My brain hurts. <laughs> my brain hurts. <laughs> I can't, I can't go down that rabbit hole. I'm, I mean, no matter how much time I spend thinking on it, I'm not going to figure it out. There's no way to figure it out. There's no answer. No. So. No. Anyway, I think this concludes our podcast. Um, we are looking at about an hour and a half. So I just want to say we love you guys, Justice Warriors, our supporters. We love you guys so much. Thank you for being there and, you know, kind of rooting us on, so to speak. And uh, till next time, just keep on fighting for the truth. Baritas and goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. world so that their souls may have peace.